Let's listen to this. <laughs> How about a sip before we begin? Oh, that's delicious. Drinking Sauvignon Blanc while uh, chatting with the folk. What could be better? <laughs> oh, I like citrusy. Ooh, and crisp. This is a fabulous idea. Do you, how do you get a better gig than that? Is this what I want to do with the rest of my life? This is Uncorking a Story with your host, Michael Carlin. It's delicious. Alrighty then. So here we are. What are you working on there? Just taking notes. Taking notes. Taking notes on this? So what, how's this going to go? What are we doing? We're going to have a very casual conversation. Um, but I have to tell you, I'm in a weird mood because a friend of mine just sent me seven CDs in the mail. He's actually, he's got a liver problem. So he's been dealt like a, a bad hand in life, so to speak. And um, we used to listen to a lot of metal music back in, uh, back in the day. So he just sent me like seven, actually eight CDs full of everything we used to listen to as kids. So I was driving the kids to school this morning, listening to bands that I've forgotten about. Hurricane. Do you remember Hurricane? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Tesla, of course, one of the more mainstream ones. Uh, Great band, one of my favorites. One of those guys died. It was like Frankie Hannon or Tommy Skio. They had two guitar players. One of those guys, I think, died like five or six years ago. Then it must have been Tommy then, because Frank Hannon was still. Is he still kicking around? Recently. Yeah, no, I think then it must have been Tommy. He uh, he didn't make it. I read about that recently. I don't want to be telling tales out of school, but uh, Metal Church. Do you ever listen to a yeah, band called Metal sure, a Wasp? Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just I was I, and the kids. I was driving the kids to school. Unfortunately, while we were going through this little sound experiment, and uh, they took a liking to Steve Vai. Remember Steve Vai? Yeah, he played guitar yeah. for David Lee Roth, but he had a yeah. big... Uh, he just came to the Richfield Playhouse. Yeah, he just came to the Richfield Playhouse on Monday night. instrumental stuff yeah. Steve Vai. Yeah, that's good stuff. But you play music up there every now and then. Yeah. I catch a... Something happening. Maybe a little Pantera every now and then. Maybe not Pantera. Pantera's so great. What do I... I, I don't mean, know why they did that to themselves. Why break up? Come on, guys. Well, I mean, Dimebag died, right? I mean, he's he's no longer well, with he us. He died. He got murdered on He stage. got murdered? He got murdered on stage? On stage. With his band, in front of his brother. I wanted to say it was a, it was an OD, but it... Dude it, rolled... Nah, dude rolled up on stage with a shotgun and said, you, you're, you're why Pantera broke up. Boom, boom. Killed him on stage. On stage. Now, that's some serious... During a show. On tape. That's like, you know, you hear about, like, people, like, that, that, that movie mm-hmm. Misery. Uh, it was a yeah. book, too. I mean, these fans who just go nuts and... They blame, you know, the author or whatever yeah. for this stuff. That's that's like a whole big bag of crazy right there. Yeah, what are you doing? What's the matter with you, dude? It's a band. Calm down. It's that, a group of guys. They break up. That's what happens. That guy probably could have used some some martial arts in his life. That guy could have used some serious, I don't know what that guy Some serious something. Yeah. Some chill time. So uh, we're here uh, with Sheehan Manny Esmeraldo. Is that how you say your last name? Yes. Now, Sheehan means what? 
uh, basically means master instructor or instructor's instructor. Right. Now, is there a, a level above Shihan? Uh, yes. Uh, the, like my instructor's title is Kyoshi. Right. And that's basically spirit leader is the loosely translated definition to that. So it's, that's real master blaster. So you really have to like devote your to get to that stage. I have to imagine you've got to devote your life to. I mean, you got to really devote your life to the to the art, right? Is that? Yeah, yeah. Like he's been in he's been in it for over thirty years. So you're not like reading a book on the weekend and you know all of a sudden Dab- taking a taking an exam. Dabblers don't get there. They don't. Dabblers don't get there. Yeah. It's like the um, what what's the corollary in like the military like uh. I'm horrible with those titles. But. Like a Navy SEAL type thing, though. I mean, to, to to get to where you have to be to earn these titles. I mean, you really have to. You kind of have to go through a lot, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 uh, you know, it's high level training, and it's you know, time that you put in, and it's how many people you impact, is is what we're looking for. It, it's like, uh, it, not that I'm looking for another test because I'm really not. But in order for me to progress, I've got to graduate so many black belts in my school. So it's really the impact that you're leaving behind as you're, you know, doing it. It's not just you, you know, getting up in the morning and doing your technique. It's how it, at that point, it's how you affect the people around you. Right. So it's not so that's that's something I never knew. So it's not just you. So it's not just something where you focus on yourself. You work really hard. You really have to have an impact on other people. Yeah. I mean, I think more than. Even the you know the first part that you said yeah. is more the impact on other people. I remember Kiyoshi saying you you know you have to graduate twenty five black belts before you can even be considered. And I was like, oh cool, if I graduate twenty five black belts, wow, that's an amazing thing. Uh, and not even thinking about getting the next piece of tape on my belt because that's nice, but it's not the, you know it's not that big deal at this point for me in 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 my career. So that's, that's interesting, and I think the business world could learn from that because I work with so many people who you know, are in a job for a year, year and a half, who have done nothing. I mean, I hate to be that critical, but you know, they're, they, they take a job. They, they, maybe they, have, they launch a new product or something. They immediately want to get to that next level. Um, and at many times, what they do isn't very successful, but they get there anyway. But from what I'm hearing from you, it's like, you really have to impact, have have a proven impact on a number of people's lives before you can actually advance yourself. That's long term. Yeah, that's long term. Uh, it's you know um, there are a lot of people who there are a lot of younger people who are really high ranking martial artists, but you have to look at it. I mean, like you know, it's not only the it's really the the whole person. It's not only you know the martial arts and what you know how your sidekicks are on the floor. It's like what you've learned, like how educated you are, you know, maybe it has something to do with being a dad or being a husband, you know, it's all encompassing. It's like, you know, how, not only how you have effect on students, but how you have effect on your own life is what I'm, um, um, you know, getting out of it. Martial arts is not going to the gym. If you go to gym, that's awesome. It's working out. It's great. Get together with some people, do the thing, flag football on the weekend. Excellent. You know, the weekend warriors are out there. Martial arts is all day, all the time, whether your uniform's on or not. Uh, I'm constantly being reminded of what's wrong and what's right. And I think that the martial arts has a lot to do with that all the time. And do you think, I mean, it? it's refreshing to hear you talk like that because I think, you know, we live in a world today where 
this is like a hypothesis I have. We're all driven to convenience, right? It's the reason why most of us are overweight, why many of us are unhappy in different areas of our lives, whether it's our career, whether it's our relationships, whether it's, you know, whatever. Uh, There's like this drive to convenience where, you know, we don't feel like cooking, so we go out and eat. And sometimes we go out and eat, we don't want to wait, so we're going to go get the the burger and fries instead of something else. Um, Our government, and we can even extend this to the government, right, where, you know, we as a society want to blame someone else for our issues, what ails us. So, you know, it's not my fault that I'm unemployed or that I'm not making enough money. It's the guy in charge because the economy's in turmoil and we have to blame the leader. And this isn't like a party thing, right? You know, right now we've got a Democrat in the White House. We blame him. If we had a Republican, it would be the same thing. So it's not like the guy's title. But I think it's like us as a society, we want to put the blame on someone else. We're looking for that convenient solution. But um, from, from, you know, based on what we're talking about here, you know, change or, or whatever has to happen from the individual, it can't be external. Am I just taking that into a weird direction? Or? No, no. I mean, it's it's true what you're saying. It's it's you know, it happens inside of you. There's you know, there's a reason why, like we're talking about adults doing martial arts. There's a reason why adults don't do martial arts. They just don't want to take that step. It's a reason why adults don't do lots of things. Like you said, if it's not easy, it's not convenient. It's right in their face, and it and it can get done really quickly. They're not doing it. You're not getting at least at this school. You're not getting your black belt in a year. You're just not. Even if you were like the most awesome, you're not getting it on principle. I'm not helping you. I'm not being compassionate to you by giving you stuff really, really quickly. It's not working. It's not going to, it's not going to be beneficial towards you and to you in the, in the long run. So, so that's not what it is. A lot of people have been training at the school for years and years and don't have their black belt yet, but when they get it, it's going to mean a lot. You know, if it was two years and, and here's your, here's your white belt two, 24 months later, here's your black belt. I mean, that's great. You may have the physical skills, but have you learned everything that it takes, starting with patience and, and, and learning, how to, you know, uh, learning how to plant the seeds before you start picking the vegetables? You know, you have to wait. You know, you have to be patient with it. You have to, uh, you know, you have to want, want more from yourself and push yourself more uh, to be able to do it. Again, you wouldn't think it was a big deal if you got it in a year and a half. It wouldn't be a big deal. And unfortunately, I think that a lot of places are doing that. There's like a delayed gratification thing there, right? So I remember that in, in Psych 101. It was uh, Freud's pleasure principle. Delayed, gratifi- delayed gratification is more intense than immediate gratification, meaning if you, if you hold off and you wait, it's going to be that much better than if you get it right away. Of course. Do you think there's a – in general, I mean outside the walls of a dojo, I mean in our country, in our society, in our culture, are people just too impatient, like – does everything need to happen right away? Everything needs to happen immediately. That's why we're beeping at each other on the roads. That's why we can't stay off our phones. That's why, you know, the ADD is off the, is off the charts now. That's why if you notice just behavior, let's take consumer behavior. Go to any store, any place where they sell anything, Home Depot, Walmart, the mall, Neiman Marcus, regardless of where it is, and watch someone in line waiting. Just look at their behavior and look at the shoulders and look at them getting aggravated and look at the way that they speak to employees who work at the stores. And, and it's, just, it's like I have to get it right now immediately. If I don't, I'm mad, I'm angry, and, and, you know, and, and, and it's your fault. 
well, really, it's not. It's not. You know, there have been times where I've been sitting in traffic completely heated about the traffic. There have been times where I've been sitting in a l- traffic for a long time and I'm singing songs, happy, just singing. So it has. So I see that that teaches me. It has nothing to do with the traffic. It has to do with me. You know, whether it's sunny outside or, or, or cloudy outside, really cool things happen when it's raining. You know, great things have happened when it was raining. So it doesn't have to be sunny. But everybody's like, oh, it's a crappy day out, so I'm going to be crappy today. Um, you know, again, back to the consumer behavior thing. Now, the way that, that people are, they want it now. They want it at a bargain. They want to, you know, they want to be able to, they, they think because they're purchasing something from you, they have the right to talk to you like you're less than they are. And I think it's, and I think it's ridiculous. And I think that it's all of our faults as a society that allow that to happen. I've said it before to people online. Hey, just works here. Nine bucks an hour. Easy. What's changed? I mean, what's, so the time, like you and I were around the same age. What's changed? Because I don't remember things being like this when, when I was younger. Like I remember looking up to adults, thinking to myself, wow, you know, I'm the impatient one here. They've got it together. I really don't see that anymore. I mean, I see friends of mine who are teachers. You're a teacher uh, whose parents go into who, kids. They have, they have kids that they're teaching math or whatever to, and their parents will come in arguing about someone's grade, right? My son doesn't deserve an F in algebra. Well, he didn't do the homework or he didn't, but he doesn't deserve it. He can't. He's, what, what has happened in society to sort of, you know, lead to that, lead to this impatience, lead to this, you know, I don't even know what to call it. Things the <clears throat> accountability. It's really our generation's fault right here, us, right here at this age. Because like you said, when we were kids, you know, when we were kids, if my teach my mom went into my mom and dad went into school to talk to a teacher, it was like, uh oh. Now, um, since parents and children are all buddies, we're all friends, high fiving each other, when they walk in, it's like, Oh, my mom and dad got my back because I've got I got this miserable grade. It has nothing to do with the, you know, uh, uh the work that I didn't put in or the time that I spend playing games or watching TV. It just has to do with I'm me. I deserve a better grade because I'm me. And I'm my mom's son or my mom's daughter, so my mom's going to go in there and back me up. And, and I'll tell you something right now. This is the way not to do it. Don't go into your teachers, your kids' teachers' rooms and argue with them because we're all human. We're human. And when, and when you do that, when you leave, don't forget that your son or daughter is going to be in that room alone with that teacher the next day. And that teacher is going to – do you think that teacher is going to go the extra mile for your son or daughter now that you came in acting like a bozo? Absolutely not. There's a way to go about it. All right. Now, if the if the parent walks in and says, my, my son got this grade or my, my daughter got this grade, what can we do at home that would help him A, B and C, as opposed to it's your fault that my son got this F or whatever's going on with their grade? So I didn't, I didn't really mean to go down this role of education, but I think it's interesting. You know, I think we're asking a lot of our teachers in this day and age uh, I think we're asking to do a lot more than just teach. I mean, my heart goes out to teachers. I've got teachers in my family. I, you know, I wanted to be a teacher myself. Um, I think we're asking more of them, though, than, than, than what was asked of them when I was a kid. We're asking them to almost be parents, you know, and, and, and you know, these, they're having kids. You know, kids, I hate to say kids these days, 
But just the makeup of households is so much different. And, of course, it's going to be different in an urban area like Stanford where we are versus, you know, some other suburban areas. But, you know, you have a lot of one-parent households now. You have a lot of households where there are no parents around, you know, at any given time. Uh, if they are around, sometimes they're preoccupied, you know, not busy parenting to the kids. So who inherits, you know, the issues that come from that? It's the teachers who see these kids eight hours a day, five days a week. And, you know, I mean, could there be something going on there? Is that an issue? Yeah, I mean, we're not doing the job of parenting. We're, do, we're, we're, we're relying on someone else to do that job of parenting. Of, of of having a child just be respectful to their elders. Do people use that word elders anymore? Does anybody know what that means anymore? Or are we all buddies? Uh, uh, an issue that we have here is at the school, we have titles at the school for the instructors. Shihan, Sensei, you know, Joshu, Senpai, all of that stuff. And some people, you know, it's weird, is some people um, have actually said to me, you know, oh, why can't they just call you Manny? And I'm like, because I'm 42 and he's eight. That's why the same as when you're talking to your teacher, you don't call her Julie, you call her Mrs. Andrews or whatever it is, or your principal, or the same as when you're talking to your coach, you don't call him Bob. When you're talking to your doctor, you don't call him Mike. When you're talking to your principal or your boss or anything like that. Um, so there's a, there's a disconnect there as to we're all buddies and you need to respect me because I'm 10. No. You're a kid. This is where you are. Here's the hierarchy. If you live long enough, you'll be here, and somebody else will respect you, and you'll want the same thing. So there's this, this, this notion that you keep coming back to that parents and kids are – it's more of like a friend relationship in our generation now versus when I was a kid. And my parents were much older, so I wasn't raised – I hate to say this, but you know, a lot of my friends were raised by hippies um, – I wasn't raised by hippies. You know, my parents were, you know, born in 1939, 1938, you know, mom and dad. Um, they grew up through Great Depression, World War II. You know, they didn't, they didn't have the luxury of, you know, protesting, you know, the Vietnam War because they were in the middle of their careers. They started their families and, you know, they also had some values that their parents as immigrants brought them up with, you know. And I think... Um, you know, a lot of my friends who's who had that more, and I, I don't mean to pick on hippies. You know, I really don't. I, I like the music. You know, that came out of that era. You know, they're they're nice people. But you know, to me, there was um, that's when maybe this trend started to happen, where you wanted to have more of a, you know, less of an authoritative authoritative relationship with your kids. So you wanted them to be more of a, a friendly type thing. And now their kids have had kids, and it's extending and. You know, it's um, it's a mess. I mean, I, I work with millennials. You know, these, these kids are 20 years old now coming out of school, and they expect, like, so much. They don't want to show up to work on time. They cancel job interviews half the time. You know, it's no big deal for them. It's like, oh, my God. I mean, you guys are nuts. It's, it's not. I, I tell you, and I'll tell you what, disciplining your child, your children, is not easy. You feel horrible after. But it's your responsibility to do that, they will still love you no matter what happens. They will still love you. But you need to you need to discipline that child if you see him doing something. And it has to start at an early age. You know, I see lots of stuff going on. I see parents that uh, I don't know if they're ignoring their child as their child's climbing on other people and kicking stuff over and making a bunch of noise or throwing things around. Or is it that they, they just don't want to say anything? 
or do they want you to say something? Like here, a lot of times I, I'm always I'm almost looking at the parent like begging them, look, do, do you want me to say something? Because it's really your responsibility to do that. Um, but again, it's yeah, I mean, I've disciplined my sons before where I've walked away going, oh, man, I feel bad. But it's the, it's my job. It's what I'm resp- I'm again, I'm going back to the word compassionate. I'm being compassionate by disciplining this child. If I don't do that to him, if I don't do that and I don't teach him those lessons, someday somebody will and it's going to hurt. So I want to set him up for success by telling him, hey, this is correct. This is incorrect. And I have no problem telling you it's incorrect. I don't mean abusive. Obviously, that's not the word. I don't lay hands on my kid. Not that I have a problem with that kind of thing either, because if, if we're at that point, that's where we need to be. I don't have an issue with it. I came through it. I'm, I think I'm okay. Uh, uh, that's the way that I was disciplined. But now, even just with words or, or give, handing out punishment, yeah, do I feel a little bad after? Do, you know, do I want to say, hey, buddy, come on, let's go outside and play some catch? Yeah, I do, but I can't because, again, it's my job, and I'm an adult. I'm not a child anymore. I'm an adult, and it's my responsibility. So we got really serious here for a little while. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when I was a kid, I used to watch these movies on Channel 5, like Saturday afternoons, uh, the Big Apple the Big Apple movie. Uh-huh. The, you know, the, the old kung fu movies. Sure. Did you ever watch the, uh, the kung fu movies? Uh, it came up on it. Came up on it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I always thought it would be fun to like, you know, because those movies... They really were light. I, I mean, and, and I hate to, to pick on uh, the people who acted in them, the people who wrote them and directed them. Uh, they're pretty light on plot, right? Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. They're, they're, there's really yeah. not a lot of plot going on. Yeah. And, yeah. and on top of that, you know, the, the overdubbing, you know, the, of English from, what were they, like Chinese, Japanese? It's like Chinese. Chinese. Chinese, yep. Uh, not so good. So if you had to, uh, if you had to plot out a movie, right? What would you do? Like, how would you make one of those Big Apple movies today? Could you do it? Could you, could you come up with a good plot for it? Like, what what would the plot revolve around? Um, seriously, or like yeah, seriously, comedic, like what, you know, like, well, like funny stuff. Wherever you want to go, you know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, where would I go with it? I love something where, you know, I mean, it's pretty typical, but I love something where in the beginning the the character gets gets broken down, gets beaten down by the bad, you know, the good the guy bad. gets broken down by the bad guy. And then the good guy goes through this transformation and this training. And then in the end, he basically comes back to, you know, for his revenge or for whatever is going on. It always seemed to be the plot with those movies. It was always somebody killed the person's master or they disrespected the Shaolin temple or, you know, something that involved some kind of killing or something going on. And then this person would go through this training process and then come back and do the thing. Similar to Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. Right. Like that type of That's kind of like a modern day Big Apple movie right there. It's actually based on a lot of that stuff. Quentin Tarantino actually went in that direction. So it, it ended up, you know, uh, doing that. And actually the, uh, uh, the bald guy in the room where she killed a whole bunch. Gordon Liu was one of the guys who was actually on the, on those uh, kung fu flicks. And they always had, like, younger. nicknames, like Iron Foot. I always remember the guy with the Iron Foot. Yeah. And was, he would, like, kick someone in the stomach and their guts would, like, pop out. Exactly. exactly. Those, are the, those are great. They don't make them yeah, like the that The Five anymore. Deadly Venoms, Master Killer. Right. You know, all of that stuff. Really good stuff, yeah. 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 Um, 
Who would be a good star for one of those movies? Like, doesn't have to be like uh, based on the plot you just you just outlined, right? So it doesn't have to be. It doesn't even have to be anyone who really knows the martial arts because you know that's let's they could all fake that stuff now. But right. like, who would be a good stereotypical archetypal character that gets either booted out of the temple or or has some loss early on in life. You know, now are we going are we going Asian? Is that what It doesn't have to be Asian. Be I mean, Asian. we don't I mean it can be, but <clears throat> like it, I mean not, not like a Ralph Macchio, right? Cuz it's kind of like been there done that. Yeah. Yeah. But like um, who would be a good I don't know. I really don't have any favorite actors now. Uh, uh I really dug again Kill Bill cuz it was you know, I thought it was cool it was a woman. You know what I mean? It was right. it was broke the mold there was, a little bit. She was credible. I only saw know. the first one. I never saw the second one. First one's good enough. Yeah, that's good. You probably yeah, got so. it right. Yeah, yeah. Interested. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who, who I'd uh, pick. I don't know Tim Tebow. No, I don't. Know. Tim I don't Tebow. Know. I don't know. versus Mark Sanchez. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyone uh, else? I, I I don't know. I mean, I mean, what character? It depends. I mean, even in the Matrix, they made Keanu Reeves look credible. You know what I mean? You know, there's a film I only saw the first one of. Also, yeah, um, me too. I never. I didn't think I really needed to. I mean, I think I got it. I got enough of it that yeah. I didn't need to see like the arc, you know, Neo's yeah. arc. I did hear though that they might be making a Bill and Ted part oh, three. Okay, then that's different. They might <laughs> be making different. a Bill and Ted part three. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, today's actors. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, you know, I I liked you know saw the Western Magnificent Seven. You know, Yoel Brenner and Charles Bronson. And, right. You know, Steve McQueen. Right. Bert, Three guys know, that guys. are dead right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, those phenomenal actors. I mean, those were those were men, you know? Those were men. Uh, they were men, men. And now it's kind of it's kind of a little bit. With the whole vampire thing out now, it's kind of like, eh. Do you think, I mean, that, that's an interesting point you bring up. Do you think that men aren't men anymore? You know, like, if you look at, like, the major... Not that I don't watch a ton of TV anymore. I mean, I watch obscure shows. But the way that men are portrayed, like, on TV now, it, like, so they went through this Al Bundy period where, like, men were just idiots, um, you know, super macho, but not very smart. To the point now where I think they've gone in this other direction where, where Hollywood and, you know, TV or whatever, wherever TV's made, like, portrayed men as, like, weak. You know, certainly the weaker... Of, of the two. I wonder, you know, what, what that means for, like, our sons growing up, you know? Because, like, when I was a kid, you had, like, these Flash Gordon-type heroes. Not that Sam Jones was, did anything beyond <laughs> 1981's Flash Gordon. Right. Um, but it's, like, now, like, our kids grow up watching, like, I can't even explain half the stuff I see them watch anymore. It's really, really odd. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think there's been a, yeah, it's, it's, when I was a kid, it was easy. Like I said, you know, if I watch TV, I watched a lot of TV with my dad. He loved watching, you know, Clint Eastwood movies and things like that. So it was easy for me to equate and be like, ah, you know, that's a man. That's the way a man does it. You know what I mean? Um, now it's, now it's really hard. They've really softened with the characters that are that are out there um so uh, yeah it's i mean I, I i don't know and a lot of the way that we do things now too again back to the parents and back to guys you know like us it's i don't know where it's gonna go with what our kids are watching you know there's a there's a picture out there that they had up on facebook of uh, 
of a, there was a, it was a side by side of Rambo, you know, with his AK, with his shirt off, shooting his gun, and then right next to it was some star from one of those vampire flicks, and he was all he had makeup on, and he was and it was like when I was a kid, this was a man, this was right. a man, you know, and, and now this is a man, so it's. Yeah, it's a little bit tough to kind of to kind of it's it's hard too with with all the thing like you don't know how to react like uh, boys that are boys that are out of control. There's obviously something wrong with them, or is it that they're just they're boys and that's how boys do it? They're rough and tumble. They do that thing. You know, when I was a kid, it was really easy, and everybody knew the answer, and it was congruent throughout. If somebody bullies you physically. You have to, you're responsible for doing something to stop that. Now it's a really mixed message on what's allowed and what's not allowed. Right. Where the bullies get away with it sometimes. Well, they get away with it the majority of the time. They just get away with it, you know, because the kid is told, you know, we tell our children from the beginning, don't hit, don't hit, don't hit, don't hit, don't hit. Unfortunately, there are kids out there who don't, are not getting that message or aren't listening. To that message. Now you put the hit kid in the class with the non-hit kid, you know, and they start picking at each other. The hit kid's going to hit the non, the, the no-hit kid, and the no-hit kid doesn't know what to do now. What what can I do? When we all really know the answer, we all know the answer. We've all been through it. We've all been picked on by someone, and we've done something about it, and it's stopped. Right. It's. I mean, two images come to mind. The first is, you know. Daniel LaRusso at the end of the Karate Kid, sure. where he, you know, what, what swoop? I mean, what was that? What was that? The kick crane called? kick. The crane the kick. The crane kick. He crane yeah. kicks Johnny, yeah. right? Blonde, uh, blonde-haired Johnny. Tough guy, yeah. And uh, you know what? Actually, was interesting to me at the end of that film. So, I mean, look, you have to be an android if you didn't clap or feel some kind of pride. Of course. When LaRusso wins at the end of, of course, that, right? Of course. Um, what the interesting thing to me was, you know, the bully respected him at the end. So Johnny, if I remember, like held up, handed him the trophy, handed him the trophy. Yeah, yeah. and he's like, wow, you know, good job, Johnny. He said, that's right. And, uh, Johnny played by William Zabka. Didn't do much after oh, Karate Kid, oh, really? but that was his yeah. name. Um, he was in vacation too, uh, as Audrey's boyfriend. Anyway, um, the other thing was the, the other, the other movie that gets me when the bully gets it, uh, a Christmas story. When Ralphie just unleashes on Scott Scott Fargus, right? Scott Fargus was that his name? Unleashes on him, right? You know, and it's another one of those moments where, you know, we as a culture we want to see the underdog win. You know, we want to see Tebow succeed. Many of us want to see Tebow succeed. I can't speak for all of us, but there's there's this thing inside us where we want to see the underdog win. Yet now we're telling our kids if a bully picks on you. You know, don't do anything about it. Or, you know, if, what you should do about it is be very passive about it. Tell a grown-up. The grown-up will deal with it, which is just going to fuel the bully even more. Well, this is all, you know, this is all, you know, legal stuff, too. You know, the, the schools the schools are, you know, responsible for it. If your kid goes to school and get hurt, gets hurt, there's a chance of you getting sued and all that other stuff. So schools put this zero-tolerance thing out there, and there's no fighting, absolutely no fighting. Yeah, that's really great. For the kids again who pay attention, you know it's kind of like the uh, um, it's kind of like uh, I don't want to get again political, but it's kind of like the gun control. You know, if you go collect all the guns, what you're going to do is you're going to go collect guns from licensed people who have licensed guns, and then 
People who don't have licensed guns will have guns, you know, uh, or, or don't have licenses will have guns. It's the same exact thing there. Yeah, rules are great. If everybody follows the rules 100% of the time, that's awesome. No hitting. Totally understand. Now, I've told my son before, and I've told both of my kids, my guys are, my guys are small. You know, they're in school. They're doing the thing. But they know 100% unequivocally that if they're, if they're in the right that they have our total support if somebody gets physical with them. Absolutely. I, and I have no problem going in, talking to the principal. I have no problem doing whatever they need me to do. And we have no problem taking the punishment of the three-day suspension or five-day suspension because that's fine because I feel that the three days will be worth the next 50 years of my son's life not being scared of anybody who tests him. All right. All right. Good. Very good. How you feel? I feel great. And also back to the back to our leadership. Yeah. How refreshing would it have been if our leader didn't take the Nobel Peace Prize because he he knew damn well what he was going to be doing in his job. It would have been refreshing if he would have said, "You know what? I can't take this now." Because I know I'm going to be sending out drones blowing people up. Right. So I'm not going to take the Nobel Peace Prize because I don't deserve it. That would have been refreshing. Right. Ah. That doesn't happen, though. That would have been something where I would have said, you know what? I don't agree with his politics, but I tell you what. That was stand-up right there. That was stand-up. I got to tell you, I don't know where I, I stand on politics anymore because I look at either side and it's like I, I, I always ask myself, is this the best we can do? Are these the so best bad, people man. we can find so to lead this country? And, 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 you know, I get to the point where these parties really aren't that different from each other. You know, no matter what side you're on, it's all, they're all being run by the elite of this society that I will never, ever, and I hate to, to you know, um, squash my wife's expectations here. I will never be part of that <laughs> faction of society, no matter right. how hard I work. Right, right. It's just not going to happen. Right. It's, I'm, I'm just not going to be these guys who are rubbing elbows and getting policies made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's so fake. The machine, the it's a giant machine. And whether you've got a D next to your name or an R next to your name, you're feeding the machine because the machine has to keep going. They're so phony. It's so fake. Uh, they, they parade these people up during these conventions you know, telling their stories and you're like, you, you know, I, I mean, I thought about it last night. And I told I told my wife last night, I said, Barack Obama cares about my kids as much as I care about his. Period. Right. You know, uh, you know, when Bush was in office and this whole 9-11 thing happened, I got really emotional about it. I wanted to, you know, let's kill somebody. Uh, but, you know, hindsight now I'm 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 looking at it going, you know what? I bet you if we were minding our own business, maybe some of this stuff wouldn't have happened. You know, like right now, do we need to you know, do we need to be in Afghanistan right now? Like we killed bin Laden. He's dead. Right. That's what they say. Uh, so if he's dead, then we should go. You know, should we be minding our own business with Iran? Maybe. Should we still have like forts in Iraq? Probably not. Should we still have forts in Germany and Japan and Korea? Probably not. How about if we got all our guys to come back home, you know, and stop spending money on this garbage? Uh, and, and that's that's the first thing that kind of bothers me 
The second thing that bothers me is is taxes. And I get you. Like I I by all means I want to pay my taxes because we live in the greatest country, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I'd love to know where all this money goes. Uh, you know, everybody's always asking for more of our dollar. Here's your dollar. Now I'm going to take 40 cents for this. I'm going to take two cents for this. I'm going to take three cents for this. It'd be nice to see where exactly all that money goes because I think out of the, you know, 150, 150, 175 million people who work in this country, uh, I'm pretty sure that they collect enough money to make the thing happen. Here's, a, here's another thing too. Half the country doesn't pay taxes. I gotcha. So why should you have the opportunity to vote on my taxes? Right. Like if you don't pay taxes, you should forfeit your vote on anything that has to do with taxes. Like you're deciding. Last night I watched Sandra Fluke talk about we, we, we as a society should be responsible for her sexual practices. You know, you should pay for my birth control. Right aid, you can buy a box of condoms for like twenty bucks. You're good to go. Instead of buying Starbucks, go buy condoms if you want to. If you want to do that, yeah, but you might be embarrassed. <clears throat> That's great, but she wants. Uh, she doesn't want. She doesn't want the country. She doesn't want old white men to vote on what happens with their contraception. But everybody who people who don't pay taxes want to vote on what I what we do with our my taxes. Like, I get it. I want to pay. I want to contribute. I do. But do you need more? <laughs> do you need more? Like, more when half the country doesn't pay? What about if half the country that doesn't pay had to pay $500 a year in taxes, flat rate, once you get up to a certain point? If you make under 20 grand, you got to pay 500 bucks. It might, that $500 might change the way of thinking that's going on. Because, you know, if I got to kick in 500 bucks, now I've got an attitude about my 500 bucks. If I don't have to kick in 500 bucks and I'm voting on your $20,000, then I want want an opinion on that as opposed to not. It's kind of screwed up. And I think we'll end it right here. This is uh, Mike Carlin signing off for Shihan Mania's Morello saying go get some exercise.